Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle and I'm your host today for a beautiful conversation about rewriting our story. We are in week three of our four-week Lenten study, Rewrite Your Story. I have returned to my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story, and, and putting some intentional focus on the subtitle of the book. Yes, 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 the book is definitely about how to overcome hurtful words, but it is also about how to become your very best God-breathed self. I say it all the time. I'm a follower of Jesus. I look at the world through the biblical framework of Jesus and his teachings. So I follow the Bible and I adhere to how Jesus tells us to live our life. And one of the most important things in the Speak Healing Words community is that we understand our Genesis 2-7 beginning. That is truly the beginning of our story. But then we are born into this world, into our family of origins, and some things just get out of our control. I shared my story. I was born into the home of an alcoholic father and a very strong Catholic mother. So that narrative in and of itself is going to impact me. It's going to have an effect because I grew up as a child in that emotional atmosphere and it was it was dysfunctional. It wasn't healthy. And so that brought me to a time in my life when I thought, do I want that? I had an alcoholic father narrative to always be my primary narrative. Well, thankfully, we don't have to stay in a narrative. We have the capacity, the God-breathed capacity to rewrite our story. I love what Ian Cron, author of The Road Back to You and host of Typology Podcast, Enneagram Expert, he says, personality is how you show up in life. People expect that's how you will show up. It's a pattern that is established. And he goes on to teach about, yes, that's true. But he also uh, encourages all of us that we can make changes to our personality. Now, one of the major ways that he encourages us to do that is through this ancient typing personality system called the Enneagram. I will put that up on our uh, private Facebook group so you can have a link to that. I have a beautiful PDF ready for you. So just go over to uh, Speak Healing Words a heart-lifting community on Facebook and uh, answer just a few questions and I will uh, allow you to be a part of our beautiful private community where we talk a little bit deeper than we would on public Facebook. In my course of graduate studies, I learned of a powerful healing modality called narrative therapy. 
The entire premise is based on the truth that we can actually rewrite our story. I fell in love with that approach to the point where I was almost ready to further my education and dive deep into a very intense certification program with narrative therapy. It just resonated so deeply with me because I had consciously been doing that. I had been rewriting, redefining my story for so many years. In fact, I can remember, distinctly remember, standing at my bedroom window as a 10-year-old. I have a vivid memory of this. Standing, looking out the window, it was late, probably, it was dark, and... I prayed. I prayed to the God that I knew that my mother had told me about, the one I had seen or in the stained glass windows of my early Catholic upbringing, the one I'd heard the priest uh, telling about in catechisms and in confirmation classes. And I prayed to this God and I said, oh God, please do not let my daddy kill anybody on the way home. Well, that sounds dramatic. I understand. Yet, I had consistently overheard my mother either saying that to my older siblings, they were a good amount older than me, six and a half, seven and a half, eight years older, or perhaps to someone on the phone or someone who was visiting, I just hope Harry doesn't kill anybody on his way home. So I overheard her saying those words. You see, my dad was an alcoholic, so that was a very real grave possibility that would have drastically impacted my mother's life. So in hindsight, I get it now as an adult, as I've looked back and reflected and reframed many of these significant uh, childhood memories in my life, but I didn't get it then. Obviously, I was 10. And as a 10-year-old, you do not, you don't possess the emotional health tools or skills to really process something that that is that sounds so grave. Well, my, I, all I knew is I didn't want my dad to kill anybody on the way home. I didn't understand alcoholism. I surely didn't understand drunk driving. Um, and honestly, my mom never really sat me down and explained any of that to me. Um, the possibility of even going to Al-Anon was withheld because it just was a shameful thing, I'm sure, for my mom. We've talked about it somewhat, and it was shameful. It was ridiculously shameful, but I believe with all my heart, had I been really privileged to go to Al-Anon, which is a, a beautiful group that helps children of alcoholics and families of alcoholics um, understand that Dad's problem is not my problem. Whew. If I had understood that, I really believe my narrative, my story, would have taken an entirely different direction. But it didn't. So that just meant I, thankfully, uh, later in life, had to spend some time reauthoring my narrative. A big part of narrative therapy is asking this question. What is your story? Mm. <laughs> so powerful, I know. 
The answer to this question can take a million different forms, and the story you provide will likely be different depending on who is asking, your mood at the time, and whether you feel like you're still at the beginning, in the middle, or at the end of your most salient story. We use stories constantly to inform, to connect with others, to share our feelings and experiences, and even to sort out our own thoughts and feelings. Stories are used to organize our thoughts, find meaning and purpose, and establish our sense of identity in this confusing and sometimes lonely world. Narrative therapy capitalizes on our storytelling tendencies, and it provides us with opportunities for growth and development, which is what we are all about here. It offers us opportunities to find meaning in our story and gives us a pathway to a better understanding of ourselves. And that truly is why I'm here for you, why I have a private practice, why I write books, why I uh, create studies and meaningful resources for you, because I want to help you find meaning in your story, because experts all agree especially when it comes to being a parent, being a parent or parents, when you are trying desperately to create a new normal for your family, your, you know, our family of origin is our family we're born into. But then when we marry and we create our own family, we sometimes want to create a new normal. We want to break bad habits and patterns and generational curses and addictions as my husband and I did. And so we have to find this new normal. And one of the greatest ways to create a new normal is to make sense of your story and to pass that meaning and sense onto your children that you're trying to raise so that they understand the historic content of your behavior and maybe can understand you better. So if you've never heard of narrative therapy, don't worry, you're not alone. But this therapy is more specific and and a less common method of guiding clients towards healing and personal development. And really, our life is all about the stories we tell. The stories we tell ourselves, most importantly, and the stories we tell everyone in our life. So that's what today is. We're taking a look. We're stepping back. We're we're thinking about our personality and how we show up for life. How do we show up for life? Hmm. People expect us to show up a certain way. People expect me to show up and be full of energy and full of joy and vivacious and helpful. And yet, I don't always feel that way. And so as I've been coming home to my true self, like we've talked about in earlier episodes, I'm really coming home to a much more introverted, introspective, much quieter woman. And that can make some people that expect me to show up a certain way quizzical. What? Is something wrong? Well, what's the matter with you? And I used to hide or isolate myself if I wasn't feeling like I could show up that way. 
because I did know that that was expected of me, but now I just show up. This is me. This is who I am. And some days are good, more good than others. And thankfully, I have more good days anymore than I've had bad. But we want to show up and we want to be our truest self. So narrative therapy, the Enneagram, that ancient typing system of understanding the motives behind our personality, my heart lift method that I created and offer you in overcoming hurtful words, these are all ways and tools and practices that help us truly come home to our true self. The founders of narrative therapy say something that is so profound, Michael White and David Epstein, and they say, the problem is the problem. The person is not the problem. Okay, I need you to lean in. I always ask you to lean in on the important things I want you to walk away from from our time together. This is it. The problem is the problem. The person is not the problem. But don't we often make the person the problem? I would say 99% of my clients in their lives, and I'm, and I'm going to say myself, make the person the problem. Well, that's why I wrote Overcoming Hurtful Words, because I was making the person the problem, and the problem was actually with me. I needed to become a healthy individual and stop pleasing, trying to please and make everyone like me. They continue making this distinction between an individual with problems and a problematic individual is important in narrative therapy. White and Epstein theorize that subscribing to a harmful or adverse self-identity could have profound negative impacts on a person's functionality and quality of life. Well, my goodness, I wrote a whole book on ah, on subscribing to a harmful or adverse sense of self, self-identity. I've confessed to you, I was a people-pleasing, addicted to applause, and ego-driven, ambition-chasing person for most of my life because I was trying to fill a very empty little girl inside. I was trying to fill a space that first and foremost, only God can fill with his mighty love for us. And then only me, I am the one who needs to fill my soul and my body. That's called embodiment in the counseling world. But when that little 10-year-old girl looked out the window and, and prayed daddy wouldn't kill anybody on the way home, that was a time when I started to what you would call disembody. I had to develop coping skills and defense mechanisms to live inside of that dysfunctional family. So we disengage and we, we look to other things to find what we call attachment secure attachment. I I then began to look to my talent of dance, my gift of speaking and, and sharing and being in the public eye. I began to look to my grades and what college I got into and what groups and sororities and all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I began to look for 
all of these other things to tell me who I was, to help me belong. Don't we do that? Those are called disordered attachments. Because we as a little child did not get secure attachment from our parents or caregivers, we then have to find it in other places. So today is about, yes, personality is how you show up in life. It is. It's what people expect. But what God expects, what God longs for, what God wants for you. Oh, my dear, dear friend, my dear listener here. What God wants for you is for you to show up for your life, to be fully present inside of your skin, loving the human being that he breathed his life into. That's Genesis 2-7. I have a beautiful audio meditative exercise for you on my website. I've shared it with you before, the Genesis 2-7 beginning. I'll link that in our private page. God wants you to inhabit your body and love the body, the skin. Be comfortable in it. That's truly embracing your story. Oh, love it. One of the techniques, I'm going to share just one technique from the narrative therapy approach today called the externalization technique. And I use this a lot in my practice and in my personal journaling life. The externalization technique involves leading your client toward viewing their problems or behaviors as external instead of a part of him or her. So let me put this in my story language. My dad's alcoholism was his problem, not my problem. Yet, I didn't understand the difference. No one explained to me the difference. So I lived many, many years with my dad's problem is my problem. My mother's problem is my problem. And there was no separation between the two until I learned to externalize and put that outside of Janelle. Janelle is not an alcoholic. Janelle's father was an alcoholic. This technique is a technique that is much easier to describe than to fully embrace, but it can have huge positive impacts on coming home to yourself, on your self-identity, and on your personal level of confidence. Excuse me. So the general idea of this technique is that it's much easier to change a behavior that you engage in than it is to change a characteristic that is part of you. Stick with me. We're getting a little counsely here. Okay, so for example, if you are quick to anger and you consider yourself an angry person, listen in, if you're quick to anger and you consider yourself an angry person, you must fundamentally change something about yourself to address the problem. However, okay, here's the key. If you are a person who acts aggressively and becomes angry easily, You simply need to alter the behaviors to address the problem. You are not anger. You are angry. Huge difference. One defines your personhood. One defines an unhealthy behavior. So you could put it this way. I am anger or I am angry. There is a huge difference between the two. Huge difference. 
It might seem like an insignificant distinction, but there is a profound difference between the mindset, and we talk a lot about having a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. Here in the Speak Healing Words community, we are committed to a growth mindset. So there's a huge difference between the mindset of someone who labels themselves as a problem person and someone who acknowledges they sometimes engage in problematic behavior. As a therapist, this technique is easy to describe, but it is really challenging to help my clients and to perhaps help you fully buy into this strange idea. I'm going to just encourage you, though, somehow by empowering yourself to be separate from him or herself, from their problems, allows you a greater degree of control. Now, in my method, the Heartlift method, which I outline in Overcoming Hurtful Words, I suggest working through three phases. And we use the narrative therapy um, in my book because it's all about rewriting your story. So I suggest in the Heartlift method, which I curated, I took some counseling principles and practices, some coaching, some marriage and family therapy principles. I took spiritual direction and spiritual practices, and I, I converged them. I, I molded them into this Heartlift method. We want to we reflect, reframe, and reauthor. So to reauthor our story, to rewrite our story, we have to first look at the present pain. Why is this happening? We then reframe that. We look at the past fault lines, those ever-shifting rifts inside of our heart that have been there for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, they, they, they shift in just the right way where they just completely, completely come apart like a, an emotional earthquake. And we ask, where is this coming from? Why do I keep doing the same thing, the same thing? It was Einstein who said insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again and again. And then we go from reframe to reauthor. This is where we look into our future freedom. We ask, will I ever trust again? And then I've expanded that even since I wrote the book into how do I change unhealthy behaviors and move forward into freedom? And as I believe, freedom in Christ. Because Christ says, it is for freedom that I set you free. So inside of the Heartlift Method, I have us look at our history of hurts. We bring that into this present time long enough to make sense of that part of our story and make peace with that part of our story. And then we look forward. We begin to learn new healthy behaviors and practices and communication skills so we can, what? Yes, live a new beautiful story. And even since I have written Overcoming Hurtful Words, I'm now in the process. I just love it when this beautiful convergence happens in our life. And I'll talk more about it next week. But I am in the final stages of being certified as a practitioner in aroma freedom technique. It is a powerful 
healing modality that uses memory reconsolidation. And if you know anything about counseling, much like EMDR, all that to say, it is a very profound healing, emotional healing tool that I am now going to be able to offer to you as a way to really live this beautiful new narrative. You know, I'm always looking and seeking for tools that will help add value to your life. And I'm telling you what, this one is what I've been praying and seeking for for about seven years since I started my practice. So one of the beautiful ways that we can rewrite our story and begin living a new narrative is by setting powerful intentions. Yes, we talked about this a few uh, episodes ago, but I'm repeating it today. It's worthy of repetition. So what is a, what is an, an, oh my goodness, what is an intention? Intentions are conceptions formed by directing the mind towards an object. All right, hear that again, because even inside of that is the beautiful word conception. Well, we all know what that means. That means birth. That moment in time in your story, when you set something in motion, you birth a new way of life. You birth it by directing your mind, which is where it all begins, towards an object. And the object here today is writing a new narrative and living into it. Intention is derived from the Latin root intentia, which means a stretching purpose. Writer Amy Blaska says, merely observing something makes you a spectator. Taking action means you go one step further and use the observation to achieve a purpose and affect positive change. This is what we are all about. And today, I am so excited today. I know I'm getting loud, so you might have to turn your volume down. I'm trying really hard to uh, calm down. I get so passionate. So we're going to get started on you creating an intention. Today is your day. It is no ordinary day. Yes, my friend, today is your day to start living into your new narrative. If you do not have my book, buy it. It's on Amazon. Don't wait another day. I want you to begin writing this new narrative before the great hallelujah of Easter. So today is the 10th. You have 10 days. So I'll be very strategic in helping you over on our private Facebook page. That's where I'm going to be uh, putting out uh, a lot of information to help you. So please go to JanelleRairden.com and sign up for my email, which will push you right into um, getting my e-newsletter and being connected. And then find me over on Facebook at uh, the Speak Healing Words, a Heartlifting Community, or at Janelle Rairden. So when you're creating an intention, you first want to ask yourself what you truly want. What do you want today? In Mark 10, 51, I think it is. Oh, I hope I'm not misquoting that. Mark 10, 31. I'll put the accurate one out there on our page. Jesus looked at the blind man, Bartimaeus, and he said, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? He didn't say, what do you need from me? He said, what do you want from me? How can I help you? What can I give you to help you live a better life, a better story? 
So what do you truly want today? Big question. Go with the very first thought that comes to mind. First one that just came to my mind was, I want to be free. Don't second guess it. Don't judge it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Go with the first guttural feeling or sense. I want to feel blank. I want blank. Now, I know for some of you saying I want something's going to be terribly hard. It was for me. Healthy, viable intentions have three ingredients. And just remember this. I'm going to end here. The intention is positive. It's first person and it's in present tense. So no future tense allowed. Start with the present today. You must really want the goal or intention you are setting. Not because someone else wants it for you or because you think you should want it or because you think it's just the best you could hope for. It must spring from your heart. It must be an expression of your true self, of a higher ideal to which you aspire. You're rewriting negative narratives that perhaps a coach, a friend, a nun in Catholic school, a parent, a caregiver, someone spoke something over you that was negative. Today's the day. You're rewriting that story or you want to be a better human being. And in order to be a better human being, you need to face your anger. You, my friend, are not anger. You just have an anger issue. The beauty of an intention is that it represents a process. That's what this is about, right? We're always about progress and process. And it can be revisited often. One of my major intentions is when I walk into a room, I am safe and secure. The basic idea here is that if you speak and act as though you already have what you want, it's easier for you to actually attain that thing. Applying this to intention statements, you will benefit from using words like am, can, feel, and avoiding words like will. Will is future tense. Using the future tense to your brain makes that goal seem far away. Your brain really interprets your words specifically. So you might say, I attract people who treat me well. I am joyful in love. Okay. Sometimes it's helpful to just add something like, I am joyful, comma, even when my mother's face is negative towards me. Those two words, even when, make it seem a lot more believable. So I am going to end there. Oh, no, no, I will add this. Sometimes you can add a couple adjectives that just help evoke the relevant feeling that your brain needs. So a bold statement like, I am successful, can become, I am fulfilled, stimulated, and successful. So powerful, powerful time today. It's been so good to be with you. Hop over to JanelleRairden.com. Please sign up for my e-newsletter so you can receive my blog and my Instagrams and all the other great resources I develop to add value to your life. And please hop over to Facebook. Speak Healing Words, a heart-lifting community where we talk these things through on a more private space. Now, nothing on Facebook is actually fully private, but we do our best to be more private. 
So here's to week three into rewriting our story and setting powerful intentions that will set that beautiful physical law of attraction into motion. Have a great day. And remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.